What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 73 of the podcast, and we are very happy you were able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses. That is exactly what the show aims to do. We're going to be interviewing an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to break down their mistakes. We're going to talk about how they plan to learn from them. How often have you blamed the game on bad dice? Brad Chester did it moments before I clicked the record button, literally <laughs> recanting a Lies. game. Oh, no, you did. I have that witnesses in front of me. So we all do it. Everyone does it. It's okay. But we're going to debunk that today. Now, where are we headed? We are headed to Chicago, the Windy City. The city in the Midwest, the Iron City. What a, it's it's known for some it's stuff. It's the right? Windy it's, City. You, idiot. <laughs> I you just right said it. Yes. Okay. Anyway, I like that you just there. called it the Iron City after you said the actual name of it. Then went, you know, the Iron City, like Steel City. What? Yeah, it's like a lot of railroads and stuff. That's, I think there's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would be Steel City. Chicago, Windy City. Windy City. I got it right. But anyway, <laughs> we're going there. We're talking about a game. We're talking about Tyranids versus Knights. And we're talking about punchy things into robots. Some of my favorite things in this game. Now, this is part one of the episode. So, in this part, we'll be analyzing the game, talking about common mistakes, secondaries, and target priority. In part two, it's available to you beautiful, beautiful, beautiful subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. We're going to talk about list adjustments. We're going to talk about your list, their list, everyone's list. Everyone gets a list. We're going to talk about how they plan to adjust that list, new strategies, and the very special, very near and dear to my heart, elite player mindset. Now, my co-host today is Brad Chester. This guy. He's won a lot of stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to sell him too short. He has won every I event mean, I you possibly imagine. <laughs> he is too short, but you could he's won everything imaginable. He's won Infinity Adepticons. If you've know an event, team or singles, he has been there, he has placed, he has probably won it. He has been on <laughs> Team America a lot of times. <laughs> and um yeah, Brad, what do you got to say for yourself? I have to say all kinds of things. First off, Jaime, what year were you born? 1999. I'm so sad because I'm wearing my 2000 Games Day shirt from when I went. I'm <laughs> holding a t-shirt. Thank you very much. No <laughs> yeah, respect. I thought I had him. <laughs> Speaking of that, introducing my other co-host, we have two co-hosts today. We're going to party like it's 1999 because we have the Wolf Dane from Spain joining us to talk about some Tyranids. Mr. Jaime Perez. Hello, hello, hello. Can you give us a howl one more time? I always, I've missed it. Yeah, that was good. I needed that in my life. I needed that, man. How you been doing, man? It's been a while since I've been on. I've got I've got a full plate on my hands, man. I'm, I'm doing my master's up here in Boston, so no time for 40K, which is sad. But yeah. I'm, my saddest thing is you haven't picked up the Boston accent. I have not, not yet. I want to be in here for For the love of baby Jesus, do not. Did I want the Boston market? accent. <laughs> Can you give us your best Boston accent real fast? I don't know how to do it. <laughs> no, I don't either, actually. I think I'd fail at it if I even tried. I'd be offensive. I'd, I'd offend people, so I'm not going to do it. Speaking it's of offending people, <laughs> are you really going to transition into our guest with speaking, speaking of, of offending, offending people? Yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> Our guest today is straight from that 70s show. You've seen that show. You've watched the reruns all over the internet. I, of course, am talking about a man that needs no introduction, Eric Forsman. Out of Wisconsin. Out of Wisconsin. It too. gets That's better. Crazy. It Isn't gets that better. Wild? It Isn't that is. Wild that you, Eric, you've been playing pretty hot this season, actually. You've been rocking some Tyranids. What were you playing last season? I remember you you placed really well last season as well. So this is my second season in 40K. Uh, converted from the terrible game of Magic. So I uh, second season in 40K. I spent last year playing Sisters, Quins, and uh, GSC. And now this year kind of bounced around Tyranids, Eldar, um, and a little bit of Orcs. I didn't realize this is your second season to be playing because you've really made a big splash. Honestly, man, you've been all over the top of the leaderboards and stuff. And I've seen you. I've seen you. I've watched you play. You're an excellent player. And Thanks. you did you did exceptionally well at uh, Chicago this weekend. I was, or I guess last weekend. It was uh, it was really fun to see you, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, it's it's. I love 40k. The community's small enough. You get traveling to majors, you see the same faces, and you kind of build a reputation for yourself pretty easily. So, no, I, I love going out and you know playing some games with the top dogs and having some drinks afterwards. So, I feel like um, all you Tundra Tactics guys seduced me in Chicago because um, next thing I do, I have uh, they seduced me because next thing I know, I have uh, I have two of them on my show in a row. I got Oliver, then I got Eric here. So. Uh, uh. I thought they seduced you the night that you barged in the room. So I broke down, I, I broke down a little bit in Chicago, so I took it easy on the, the next two days because I was a little broken. Uh, Blake shows up in the middle of the night, kicks open the door, and is like, hey, I went out with this guy. He was dumb, but I like these guys. They were awesome. And then just passes out in the bed. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> He's that happened. like, these My guys are great. Story. Crash. <laughs> great people. Great people. Great people. Great times. That's 40K in a nutshell. Let's talk about this event, though. Eric, what'd you think about it? What'd you think about the general vibes of GW Chicago? You know, we've been all over this year and last year. GW Chicago is great. I mean, it's kind of started from the top down, I think. Brant is just such a chill personality that I think the other people involved are just it, they were amazing, of course. Like I know all those guys, but I mean, the the vibes from the beginning were just very seamless, very smooth. All right, we're getting started. Uh, I I loved the GW event. I wish I was able to go to Kansas City, but I'm gonna definitely be attending a few more of those. Those are making my ticket, my docket for next year, just because of how well they were ran, how well it went, and the size of them too. I mean, it's awesome. I also love the bracket format. I know you touched on it last week, yeah. but mm -hmm. when I go to these events, especially as what I consider I'm a you know more of a developing player, I want to get locked into a bracket where I'm getting in a 3-1 or 4-0 bracket where I'm getting more top games of high level play where I'm challenged event round after round. And I I, I just want to I don't want to like dip out of the top tables and then back in. I want to be locked into good games. So yeah, you know, that's, I, I, love, I, that I love that. I love that point quite a bit because of, I also like that in the bracket system, it seems like we have way, way fewer drops. People play the entire tournament a lot more. And I, I do like that because I'm, I'm very anti dropping out of the tournament. Come in, play the whole game, have fun, have a drink, mm -hmm. have, have more than one drink, <laughs> just I'm, hang out and play some 40 K. It's, it's big friends. Friends, yep. man. Huge. I'm really, yeah. I'm really sad. I had to drop Chicago or uh, Kansas City, and now I'm bummed out. But I am doing Albuquerque, so that's going to be uh, awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I have family in Albuquerque. I should try to make that one. Dude, but, uh, you should go play some narrative, man. It's going to be a good time. 
I've but, never played a narrative game, so I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I've I've never read a page of lore in my life. I'm a I'm oh, oh hurtful. It, it, I know you guys hate me. At, at ATC, we took third place, and I'm like, what is a servo skull? Someone's like, you're ruining this for me. You're ruining this for me. You ruined the whole event. <laughs> yeah, we uh, go home. We're and we're, go out. Home. we're out. Did you at least read up on the servo skulls now? Now you have no, a page. I haven't read a, I've oh, read a page. I've read a page cool. of lore in my life. I don't have time. I'm still learning the game. I'm still trying to memorize every data sheet. So I um, so I was playing the narrative and I, I built this like whole narrative piece. I'll show you here in a minute. I have it behind me. And I built this whole narrative piece. I wrote this whole lore on my army because I got in a bad car wreck and it basically destroyed the whole night army and I had to rebuild it. And did, I did this whole thing, right? And so I'm like, had this whole page written out, and then uh, they contact me and say, hey, uh, you actually qualified to play for the overall track. So now I don't get to do the narrative event. I got to play competitive games in Albuquerque. <laughs> and um, and you finally got to paint that new army that you've been dragging your feet along for. <laughs> I've been driving my feet for All, all it took was him trying to jump a cornfield. Sorry, a soybean field. Actually, uh, Brad, let me just show you this real fast. I've uh, I've been I've been crafting a... Uh, Another new night. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually a gallant with Tell a. Tell me uh, that's Master Blaster. It is. And he's, uh, <laughs> it is a it is like Italian robot riding a gallant. So I um, love it. Oh my god, love that about you. Love that. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the game, man. So you were playing a pretty nasty. Leviathan Tyranid list. Let's talk about the list, and then I'll bring up Sean's list and read it out for him after. Tell me about the list you brought and what decisions were made in this list because of the fact that we were playing on the GW train. Yeah, so really leading up to it, it was kind of cracking Leviathan. If if I was playing Nids, which I have a lot of RML, I'll keep it to Nids talk. I'll keep it there. So it was really cracking Leviathan there. And honestly, the deciding factor for me was I don't want to just i i felt that the leviathan was going to give me a little bit better chance on a lot of missions into tau which i know the tau players say they fear kraken more but over the event more tau guys lost to leviathan than did kraken over the event uh i think it's because of when you get things like transhuman and you get things like venom dubs and you have like the warp shielding everywhere and you have better saves and I, I just think you get to the point where they can have one shooting phase flub and when when you when you when you're playing a single phase army and one phase goes that's 20 percent of your game down the drain especially if they're going first and you're hidden well and they don't get a lot of shots turn one well now they've lost 40 percent of their effectiveness and so I don't think Kraken offers the same survivability there. So really, I just didn't want to pick it up to Ganyo and Oliver. So <laughs> that, was, that was kind of it. Like, I, you know, those guys are great and it would be an intense game one way or another. But I'd rather have worse matchups elsewhere. Like I'm not know, losing to Triptide, yo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know playing double Harpy is also making me susceptible to Tau. But I anticipated a lot of CSM at the event. And I didn't just want to get scooped by world eaters on tide like jack did almost <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that was my thought process i mean the list itself you know a lot of leviathan pieces are going to be the same so neurothrope wing tyrant i did go double patrol because i do find the usefulness of having the second tyrant there to kind of finish up my warp ritual later especially if i don't want to commit to mid game with the tyrant to warp it and then overrun away so i went double patrol um 
I took a nine and a five warrior and I kind of tested back and forth like five, five, four, but I felt like the nine gave me another anvil piece, just another tool in the list that mm-hmm. I could either push weak side or really defend strong side with, depending on the type of army I was going against. So um, a nine and a five, both with adrenal glands, of course, the nine had double venom cannon because a little bit of shooting helps. I took the zoanthropes, neuroparasite, no, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, on my walker, I did pay for the shard gullet and direct guidance. Uh, I never roll very well, so I think direct guidance when my warriors are hitting on twos, rerolling ones, that just avoids that problem for me. So, so safer. I love yeah. that guidance. I think it's super strong. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's running those warriors at all, like, very, very good. So It's like anytime you can change the probability and make it almost guaranteed, it's probably Plus, worth sometimes it. You get, sometimes you got to shoot the Chad Gullen, bro. Five damage is no Yeah, I know. 12-5, <laughs> pretty decent profile. Pick up a Tau plane, get out of my life. I did run Death Leaper, and I did take Alien Cunning, or whatever it's called. Uh, the five model counts as OBSEC. But I took that primarily so that I could set up multi-charges, because you can't use stratagems when in engagement range. So I think there were times where during against combat-heavy armies, which I, you know you kind of figure to see on GW terrain, I'd be able to charge Flyer and, and Warriors, send the Death Leaper into either one of those and, and activate on the other side first. It also really helps in the mirror match because then the opposing NID player can't use minus one damage on their warriors, so my warriors kind of walk away from that combat. I think that's huge on that. I love that choice. I I think Death Leaper is like underrated as crazy because of that fact. The, the fact that they can't use any strats there, so it's such a big deal. Interrupts, minus damage, whatever, is the, any kind of fights that they have, that's such a huge deal, and you don't realize it until you go, I need to do this. Oh, crap, I can't do any of these things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, on, no. and, and on scouring to run to that middle objective and say, your action has failed. No three points. Like A lot of times the scouring games come down to who went second and who's getting those scans off, and the Death Leaper just says, nah, not today. Also, should be useful in the night matchup to shut off their transhuman uh, stratagem. Which, unfortunately, didn't come up in this game. But yeah, turning off their transhuman does save me from potentially spending more CP, uh, which I didn't have a lot of, to re-roll wounds when I didn't need to because they weren't transhuman. Wait, before you open up Sean's list, I got a question that I want to get out right now. I know I'm being very... Swear to God, if you steal this in the beginning again, I'm going to murder you. (laughs) I have a different question. (laughs) It's not the question you're expecting. And maybe I did this mess with your mind a little bit, but I want to ask this question early on. Do you feel like going from Magic the Gathering to this game, you brought a unique skill set with you? You feel like there's a way you approach a game that maybe other people don't because of that? I think so, yeah. I mean, first of all, I have a deep appreciation for how balanced this game is. I've played metas of Magic where it's 98% one deck, and for to see very balanced, like, I've always thought this game is very balanced. Be like, I don't know. So I, I just have, I just always feel like, look, the game's balanced. It is what it is. We just play in the now. I don't know what's coming later. I don't know what was before. I know what is right now, and I'll adjust accordingly. But I, I have found, especially the people that I know, there's a handful of guys and girls that did come from MTG, like competitive magic, and they do seem to have a pretty good head for the game. And I don't know that if it's magic that really did that or people gravitate towards really high-level competitive strategy games that just have that mindset. Like, I grew up playing chess, and a lot of, fr- a lot of my friends didn't play chess when they're six, but my brain was like, I want to beat this old man next door. I got to I gotta, I gotta get I him. I beat the old man. <laughs> 
it's funny yeah, like yeah. i came from cards the same way but it was 23 years ago so yeah brad brad came from playing rummy and uh, <laughs> jim rummy with the old folks <laughs> like jim rummy the yeah. old folks and he was all my, uh, all my folks all my friends passed away and i kept going because yeah I'm, you're, was, you're still playing like hearthstone though right yeah, brad was so. like um every now and then when they do a wog brad's like did they just call bingo they call bingo or is that a wog what's going on no, i know i think that a lot of those things translate though i think that People that are good at any strategy game are going to be good when they translate to anything. It's just uh, it's that type of thinking that that translates over to tactical mindset. So yeah. I believe that 100. percent Not to say everyone can't get there, but I did. Th- I do think some people with that have a little head start when they hit the ground. Right, hit the ground running a little more. I think everyone can get there, but agree. Yeah. So all right, let's talk about some free blade lance. Let's got- do it. Triple Helverin with Hunter of Beasts because they're just, they auto-populate as soon as you put in some small knights. They're like, you want three Helverins with Hunter of Beasts? Sounds good. I'm like, yeah. Exists. Yep. Not me. we got literally so many Warglaives. Six Warglaives. One of them is the Strike and Shield. Three, and then we've got three Moraxes. We've actually got four Moraxes, but one of them is going to be, three of them are going to be last of their line. So we've got a total of... Three, six, nine, twelve, thirteen. Ah, ah, ah! Small knights coming at you. That's a lot of beef, man. I actually think I want to get your opinion on this because I actually think the knight Tyranid matchup, depending on the the mission, of course, I actually think it favors the knights because of the volume of shots they can put out and the speed they can get. What was your thoughts going into this game? So. <clears throat> I definitely have seen that matchup go both ways. It really depends, like, who's going for it. Like, if they're getting their buffs out, and then really how how well they play their... I think I think the game boils down to their turn one movement. Like, if, if they're really getting good spots on the board and getting good angles and the terrain is set up in that way, then I do think that that Knight player's in a good spot. I'll tell you, it also depends on the list. I do not think 13 babies is what I wanted to play. I would rather see two <laughs> big boys on that table. I would much rather see two big boys um, than the 13 babies. But uh, I think, pardon? What mission was this? This was conversion. So this was five objectives, uh, corner deployment, but not so the Vanguard deployment, but, but not the direct angle across. So it was yeah. like, uh, was, uh, you know, they have a lot of play. And I think knights having the imperial knights, chaos knights, not so worried about, but imperial knights having their, you know, secondaries being as strong as they are. I, a lot of times against people, I can use like a setup turn, but if you wait too long against imperial knights, especially playing nids or secondaries are what they are, you are going to get behind pretty quickly. And I don't want to be forced to make too big of plays. I, I try to make more high probability plays than low probability plays. So what did you take? Uh, I took warp ritual banners and bring it down. Yeah, you standard. Your pardon? You remember your scores? Like my scores? Oh, yeah. I don't remember exactly what the scores were for each secondary over the get, course. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that banners are probably a ten plus because he sat on two of them. Yeah, bring it down was probably almost maxed. <laughs> yeah, so banners ended up at ten. He wasn't able to rip down my banner on my side, but he was able to contest that objective on my weak side. Um, I mean, two knights is putting ten models, and that strat they have for auto advance twenty or twenty one or whatever that is is just outrageous. That is a very good strat, which 
not as concerned about when I have only seven baby nights, because then you kind of just pick them up one at a time. But when there's one after another, after another, after another, after another, right, it, it kind of became a lot to deal with. So what are your thoughts going into this game as far as your strategy? And or you did you feel good about this match? Do you, what were you basically what were you thinking going in is how are you going to play and how you thought that it was going to play out? So this was the this was the uh, fourth round. So we were both 3-0. Basically, basically, winner was getting top bracket from this. So big game, first game in the morning. Honestly, I wanted to go second. I know I have the harpies, but I thought going second would get me get him a lot closer to me and let me start using multiple phases. Because if I try to just outshoot him, he's going to outshoot me hands down and he's going to have the movement to get more angles and more positioning than i can so he's going to be far faster than me on pretty much every front and outshoot me from that angle so i was kind of hoping to go second here and i kind of deployed for that so i put we're going to talk about like the game itself at this point or, like the stuff i've learned from it how do you want to all, all of that? the above all right so, so let's talk about we'll start with how the game went, went down kind of get run us through run us through the game and then we'll talk a little bit about could have, would have, should have, and a lot of that's going to be in part two. Okay. <clears throat> so game went down. We set up. Sean's a nice guy. Good dude from the East somewhere. Um, got, uh, I ended up getting first turn. I typically take a, a minute or two during my command phase to really make sure I have a good game plan before I start moving or measuring things. Um, so I took a moment and kind of weighed out the differences between just playing the very, very defensive game and not he had deployed knights on both object uh, both dz edges he had one of his baby knights in strategic reserves that could come in turn one and so i felt like if i took too defensive of a setup he was going to just take the whole board and have angles everywhere and so my turn one i sent both harpies that dropped spore mines and move blocked the corner objective on his side so not in his not in his dz but the objective on his side of the board. I sent my tyrant guard to protect my hive tyrant on foot with the shard gullet so I could take shots at uh, one of his Helvern knights. And I moved my warriors up into Venomthrope range uh, so that they were minus one to hit. I put the full Leviathan buffs on them. And I thought, okay, great. Well, I have I have two harpies, nine warriors with some venom cannons, and a shard gullet looking at two of his three helvers <clears throat> that are very efficient at killing my harpies. After that, you're looking at either lightning lock strength six into my T7, or you're looking at Melta, which is just low shot count into four up invuln or synapse transhuman. Mm -hmm. So I felt good, like great, I killed two of the helverns and uh I feel like that's a that's a pretty uphill climb, like right advantage, Eric. <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of my advantage thought process. Eric. Yeah, advantage, Eric. Going Those are that is I 100% agree with that. That's the scariest thing for your army with that because with the hundred beasts, those guys are plus one. So that's getting rid of those and that flat three damage is a nightmare. So late yeah. into the warriors hurt. Yeah, well, and they also have plus one to hit and plus one to wound into monsters and vehicles. The third one is only plus one to hit. So. Two of them do have the plus one to wound from something. I don't know everything but about the free blade. But so two of them are plus one to hit, plus one to wound into monsters vehicles, which obviously my harpies hate. <laughs> so my thought was I put the harpies way up on his side 
I'm going to lose them. That's the point. If I get lucky and don't, great. I get to bomb one and then move block somewhere else. If I do, wonderful. I still get to send warriors in and I uh, get to kind of be harassing his DZ and making him not play his game, really just react to what I'm doing as opposed to like, I didn't want him setting up everywhere all these beautiful shooting lanes that GW can provide if you're moving 20 inches a turn with a knight. So um, that was my setup. Got the setup. All the psychic powers went off. Uh, everything was well. And then we started shooting, and between Harpies, Shard Gullet, and Nine Warriors, I failed to bracket a single knight. <laughs> wow. So, and we'll talk. Any of them? Or did you Pardon? Use strats? Um, so, I start this, this list starts at zero CP. And I took in list building augmented ferocity. I took the plus one to charge, not the yeah. Leviathan reroll. And the reason I took that is because I felt like better rerolls over the game gave me more consistency. But a failed charge loses the game. If I lose my flyrant or I lose yeah. nine warriors, don't make a charge. That's it for me. Done. Really. So that's why I took that. I felt like the charges are more important than a cup than some rerolls and shooting, which which are important. But really, we're looking at shard gullet and yeah. And harpies, so it's three rerolls. Do you have uh, heavy venom cannons on the on the harpies, or the oh yeah, trying? absolutely no heavy venom cannons. And this what is never he had not applied buffs yet. He had not applied buffs yet. Sure. Um. So assuming he rotated then. Yeah, he did a rotation. I switched targets. Shard gullet. Uh. Just. Very, very lackluster shooting phase, which happens, right? You're, it wasn't it wasn't poor enough die. I rolled slightly less. He rolled slightly high. Um, again, I talk about corrections that I could have made to avoid that, but uh, I put myself in a situation where I relied on shooting to go well. And I think that was the first mistake. I kind of deployed wanting to go second, so I had the harpies a little further back so all of his melta wouldn't be able to get range of them to start the game. Uh, kind of... You know, we'll get into some part two, what I should have done, because there were things I should have done at that point. So my first turn, I did, you know, we he I anticipated killing his knight on the edge. So he was on his turn able to take a huge advance and just barely put a toe on the objective that I had thought if, if that knight is bracketed or gone, he's not touching it. And at that point, yeah, he gets his huge uh, the auto advance non bracketed gets right on there. And Sean, very tight, you know, he did pre-measure everything on his turn. Like, there wasn't a, oh, he kind of bogused me on there. He did pre-measure everything out. We did talk about it. Like, there was no, there was a clean game. It was a very clean. His first turn of shooting, his first Helvern picked up a Harpy. <laughs> his first Helvern, it's like 11 shots, 10 hits, 8 wounds, or 7 wounds, and I fail 6 or 7 of them. So I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be a real tight game. <laughs> it's going to be a real tight game at that point. Um, he picks up easily both harpies and gets war knocks out like two warriors, three warriors from the warrior brick. So that's how the turn one went. Uh, did he did shove his cool transhuman to hit in melee, uh, knight to do his action, right? Had the multiple objectives, good board positioning. He had four knights basically in a little conga line ready to shove onto my side of, uh, the the top of my board, which was my weak side objective, not my home objective. And then he had moved three of them down. Well, there's 13. There's a lot of them. When you fail to kill <laughs> in one turn, like my nightmare had happened. And I was like, oh boy, well, all right, let's, I like turn two. 
I, every time that I feel like I'm very behind, I always tell my opponent, I'm like, look, man, I know we're on a clock, but I'm going to take like six minutes. I need to take a breath, right? And you take a little drink of water. Because I've seen a lot of people that are just kind of like give up mentally at that point. And I am unbroken. So I am unbroken. So I did. I, I said, look, I need some time. I, I love that. I'm not going to lie. That is besides the fact that I know I'll parry uh, Steve Joel some more money because I can't stop saying I'm not going to lie. But uh, one, of, one of the big things is I say that all the time. It's such a big deal. I see so many people and not even just throw away in the towel. You start to play crazy YOLO moves and all ridiculous aggressive. And that's not the thing. You got to take exactly what you just said. I love it because take a chance or take a second Go get yourself a drink, chill out, look at the board because you got to keep scoring points. Also, dice are dice, man. Hot dice on turn one might be your hot dice on turn five. Keep yourself in the game. And I love what you said there. 100%. Love it. Yeah. I, I play with Cameron Pinheiro all the time. I know how hot dice will cool off eventually. <laughs> I know they will cool off eventually. Well, um, let, me, let me tell you this how hard those little guys are going to kill though. I mean, you experienced it, but when you put all the buffs on one of those guys, they're on a four up in bone. If you have the right thing on there, they're minus one damage. They're four, they're fours to hit always trans hit in combat. They're fours to wound when you transhuman them. I mean, do the math. That's crazy. It is hard to take down a 50, uh, 155 point model. Mm-hmm. But that's what the yeah. best on one, right? Like he, he can also focus the other ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Eric, were you on a chess block when you said you were taking six minutes off just to Chief set Chicago back? Chicago doesn't do that. And uh, I knew that a lot of my turns were going to be like very tight at that point. So yeah. I didn't mind taking that time. But even when I am on a chess yeah. clock, that's why I always use one, even in my practice yeah. games. Unless I'm trying like a brand new list or concept out, I'm using a chess clock because... I don't know. I played a lot of sports growing up and you practice how you play, you know, you know, winning mm-hmm. teams, we practice real hard, right? We go to, we, yep. we show up to kill and practice and that translates to the game. So when I, when we yep. practice here at our practice, like we use chess clocks, I know, Hey, my turn one takes this long. My turn two takes this long. And I know time is a resource, right? This is a game of resources. So I know, and I've done this at, people that have played me, they'll know that. Ah, yeah. Sometimes when Eric fails that four inch charge, he'll say, I need five minutes of my clock. I need to take a <laughs> breath. I need to take a breath. I usually come back and win. Uh, this time, not so much. Eric, did you grow up playing squid games? Because you said you showed up to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well, man. I went to camp in the early 90s, so we played some crazy games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, crazy. Very not legal today. <laughs> So walk me through the rest of the game. What happened at the end there? So at this point, what what I was worried about most, like I don't think knights, especially the free blade lance, like I just don't think it's a I'm going to alpha and kill you army. I think it's best played as like I'm going to take board control and I'm going to just have lanes everywhere and I'm going to have multiple obsec pieces to send. And instead of like shove everything at me and try to be a knights player and kill me, he was actually a good knights player, like very slowly and meticulously sent like one or two knights at a time to contest, score objectives. Like he only committed exactly what he needed to. And like yeah. that makes a difference. Like I tell a lot of people, I'm like a lot of knight players aren't good. They put four to, baby knights in front of you thinking you can't kill them. The knight man wherever it goes in kills all four. So, yeah. <laughs> like they just send, they just full send. Don't think. And this guy, like, 
I had never met him before. I think he plays mostly East Coast stuff, which I don't get a lot to to a lot of. But uh, yeah, no, he was very meticulous. Like only committed exactly the resources. And when I failed to kill one turn one, that gave him a lot of resources for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. So it became a game where I had kind of set up gargoyles and warriors to pressure his objectives. I kind of had to end up using my own resources just to hold my own, which kind of let his army irk turn after turn, like a little bit closer. And, you know, I could pick up two knights a turn, but that still leaves him with four and it's, it's going to whittle like his. So he has another piece I really liked. We didn't cover in the list. The two Moriacs he has with their lightning locks. Mm-hmm. He has the, if the, you have six or more models in your unit, reroll all your hits. Right. Fishing for the sixes. Pretty good with exploding sixes, not going to lie. It's pretty good into the war. And you remember, I had considered like going back and forth on like 554 five, or 95 for the warrior brick. Every game, the 95 was the call. This was not the game. <laughs> Every, it's not yeah. this day. No, seven <laughs> games out of eight, that warrior, that nine was the correct call, I believe, truly. Um, and this was not one. So, Ouch. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it happens. I wish, like, we could say dice were an issue. We could say, like, I don't think it was. Like, it wasn't a dice issue. It wasn't a gotcha. It was a super clean game. Um, like, because in that same turn, where I rolled poorly to hit, I kind of feel no pain and saved out of my gave him some of the white magic. Or no, I like vanilla. <laughs> gave him some of vanilla magic, Nick. Vanilla magic. Vanilla, vanilla magic. <laughs> so, I kind of rolled out of my ass on some feel no pain. So the dice come right back, right? If you if you do a whole game, all that you're gonna have like even number. Dice of dice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I like my terrible shots to roll all ones. <laughs> to, to end out part one before we get into part two, I do have to ask you a question. Over the weekend, what would you say was your MVP and was out block. on the chopping block? <laughs> Boom! You're gonna oh, let him get away with it. So lackadaisical. You're gonna let him get away with it. I mean, got to ask my own question I've for a change. It. I've gotten it probably the last ten episodes. It's been months. <laughs> since right now. It literally has been months. Since I got Waiting this. with a zen-like patience for the right time to strike. Um, man, so Data Slate came out today and did nothing about my MVP. Um, right. I, I, is as generic as it is to say, Flyrant is good, but Overrun <laughs> yeah. is busted. Yeah. I'm going to just say that, right? The data slate came out. They did not hit Overrun. I don't care what you do to Reaper. As long as that Flyrant can use Overrun and it's not core locked, that's busted. That is one CP, kill a unit, especially when I'm taking Warp Ritual. I'm going to fly up. I'm going to Warp Ritual. I'm going to massacre you, and I'm going to fly right back to safety, and there is nothing you can do about it. So annoying. It's the worst. So fly back into the loving arms of the Tyrant Guard also. Yeah. Just in case. Uh, and they've got, big, they've got big, strong arms. I played <laughs> I, I played now looking at Riptides and Longstrike and just going, hi, boys. How you doing? I'll see you soon. so no it has to be flyer you know is is until they core lock that stratagem and it's going to continue to be flyer does does the data slate today was not enough that that stratagem not being core locked is what's keeping tyranids floor so high we had a data slate today (laughs) upgrade from the tyrant like adrenal glands or yeah absolutely adrenal glands for sure okay do you use the extra attack strat often 
Yes, that's why I don't ever use rerolls. I went in with zero CP, and I know that my CP is pretty much always used for I am. Uh, I I liked I keep when I plan a turn out. I'm like great. I have this CP in case I have to reroll over or onslaught in case I have to reroll my advance and charge, which 3d6 plus one, need a six, likely not. I never had to, but oh yeah. well. But yes, I, most of the CP is like, great, what is the right strat I need? I think I take uh, plus d3 attacks most of the time, secondly, followed by reroll wounds. Sometimes that's just better because it's hitting on twos, rerolling ones. And very once over the tournament into a different night player, I took the impact strat because I really needed some mortals on the Did impact. Did you roll a one? Pardon? Did you roll a one? Oh uh, no, no, I, no, I didn't. Lucky it was lad. it wasn't <laughs> Celestine, okay? It wasn't yeah. Celestine. <laughs> no, I uh, I'm with you. I don't like those type of strats, but I kind of did the math at the time, and I was like, man, transhuman to hit, transhuman to wound. Uh, it's either reroll wounds or the impact, and if I just have a really bad hit roll through his invuln, it's not going to help. I need the impact to be. It was like an uphill fight, so um, yeah. But no, I, I keep I keep the CP for that. So Flyrant was the one, um, and then to cut. Honestly, the harpies are going to go. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of a win more um for the way that i play i'm not i don't like to be like the very aggressive push player and i feel like harpies are very good at when you can like calculate what your opponent's threats are and harass them with them and but you can also kind of play more games without them so what i mean is like you taking like the msu shooting carnifex taking the reroll hits there um it gives you an opportunity to where like Maybe if I had five Carnifex instead of two Harpies, then I don't get blasted turn one and I have a lot more firepower to kind of be cagey that game, which kind of fits my play style more. I didn't really like um, running so many warriors, like 20 warriors where I'm just jamming and saying, can you kill me? That's really not how I like to play the game, but uh, (laughs) I've seen it. I've seen it live. I know how that works. (laughs) He tries, space, he, he tries to put space wolf helmets on on top of all of his tunics. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> do you know what this part two is going to be called? By the way, it's not the Bradening; it's the Howling. The Howling, howling. Hour. Oh. Let's go. We're doing it. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us, man. Look forward to part two for the Howling with Jaime. Howling with Jaime. That's that's pretty good. That sounds that's right. It's right. got a ring right. to it. That's a ring that's to it. Yeah. We're doing it. Brad's going to be. We're going to do a little Bradening. Maybe maybe a t- maybe a touch of Bradening. Just the tip. Just a tip of Brad. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not getting edited out, people. That's staying in. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> you live here now. You live Make right here. Make sure now. to check out our other podcast. We have The Art of War Vanilla with Nick Navadi and Paul Murphy. We have the very, very, very Australian Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the flavor you didn't know you loved. Tell you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.